Welcome to the BT Med podcast. Another episode of live Q&A from this week's check-ins. Guys are on week four now. Uh, so today, loads of questions as normal. Uh, it's a good old session we have. Um, we go from everything from undercharging and undervaluing your business, how should you gradually increase your prices, to what should you charge for online coaching, what are the non-negotiable questions to ask in a weekly and monthly review and check-in, um, all the way down to how much time per week would you give and invest into lead generation on the gym floor now the gyms are finally opening up for us and our clients and, and members. So good little session today, guys. I hope you get something from it. As always, ping us a message um, if you want to ask anything or include anything on next week's episode. And we are really close to reopening the next group program, which starts in May. We'll be having signups and pre-registration um, over the coming weeks. So we'll let you know when that happens, if that's something you are interested in. Have a good one, guys, and hope you get a lot from today. Right. Good morning, the podcast people. Good morning. It might not be the morning. Good evening. What was that thing on the Truman Show they used to say? I haven't got a clue who Truman is. Jim Carrey, the Truman Show, the film. I haven't seen it. I'm not very good with films, actually. You're not, are you? No, I'm pretty shit. Morning, Seb. Hope you're well. Um, no, I'm pretty shit with films. I'm dead honest. Unless... Yeah, I'm very selective with films. Like... Top three films. Oh. Oh. It's always an awkward question, this, because you always forget, don't you? Well, my top film is always Man on Fire. That's a brilliant film. Yeah. That's my top film. I suppose it's literally anything fucking Denzel Washington, to be fair. It's like Training Day is a very good film as well. Mm -hmm. Um, that's my kind of film. Um, I couldn't name you a third one, I don't think. That's pathetic, that, isn't it? Um, what else do I like? What other film do I like? What are your top three films? I would, say Man on, I would say Man on Fire is up there. Old school. Scarface. <laughs> old school with Will Ferrell. That's brilliant. Uh, I thought you meant old school. You were going to tell me an old school film. That's how shit I am with films. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, what else? Do like all of the, it's not a film. I do like all the superhero films. Yeah. Are you a Marvel man? No, see, I'm not. I'm not at all. I like. Not see, a geek like, I'll get figures and stuff, but I like the films. I watch films over and over again. Yeah, I find that strange. Jordan's probably going to shoot me for this. I find that strange. Grown men having Batman figures and shit like that. <laughs> I find that really strange. Um, like there's a well-known fit bro that likes to put stuff up like that. And I'm like, hmm, you're 40-odd, mate. Come on. Um, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> come on. 
I'm making models of the Hulk. Um, oh, what I was going to say to you then. Um, say to you then I was going to say yeah I, 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 I like films that I can this is really shit listening for anyone listening <laughs> but I like films that I, I can really truly believe that they happen like I, I don't buy into all the sci-fi shit and stuff like that I just I'm, it's just not that's the good thing about it though isn't it I know my missy says that but no I'm fucking I don't like it it's just no not. I like the films that you have to think about but then some films you don't want to you just want to sit there I love a good criminal adventure, like to really figure out what's going off. And criminal go, adventure. I don't know what that means. But... <laughs> <laughs> right, let's get on with it. <laughs> Definitely a weak point of mine talking about a film. It's fucking terrible, actually. Right, uh, question one. It's a long question, this, isn't it, as well? <clears throat> okay. Have my. New four week program starting off the back of the free challenge after Easter. This one is nutrition. The next one will be movement. The third will be lifestyle. All are four weeks long, and during each one, I'll be doing free challenges to feed into the next one and also allow clients in each group to move onto the next program. Makes sense. I also want to offer all three for purchase as a complete package. My question is. As I'm rolling out nutrition now and movement and lifestyle are not yet to be rolled out, should I wait to have the complete package as an option until after they have all been rolled out? So I think what I think that means should I wait until I've done both the all three courses and then sell it as a package? In my opinion, no. Because what you'll find is as you roll out one, you'll learn a lot more to make the next two off, the second or third better. Um, so in my opinion, I would roll out and just build on this over time because it'll ever be, it'll just be an evolving product in my opinion. So even if you have three, they'll be ever evolving and it's just more work for you. So I would just roll them out and just go with it. Um, and then when you're in a position to have all three, sell all three as the full journey. That would be my spin. Don't know about you. Um, Did I answer the question? You fucking pointing at me. Should I wait to have the complete package as an option until after they're all been rolled out as four week programs? So I think once they've been she's done the three courses. Yeah just being available i think i have everything for each program ready to go it could be available now just not sure which way to go with it i think personally like i just think <coughs> yeah I, in my opinion if you've got something there ready if you've got one being ready so you've got a challenge then a group and it's a natural journey from a challenge to a group and i know you've started to sell that upsell it already if i'm getting this right you're starting to upsell this now so if that natural journey is one into the other and there's going to be a third further down the line just carry on doing what you're doing and build the third in and then gradually over time just merge the journey that would be my opinion anyway mm. anything different or have i missed something no i don't think so it's a tough start here i don't need these tough questions you know what i mean yeah, it's a tough start, man. Right, next one. Like, for the person who asked this question, obviously we keep these questions anonymous 
whether that's the right thing to do or not, whatever. It's just something that we did at the start. The person who asked this question, if you want, if you want a bit more help off the back of that question, just let us know. I think I think someone's put something in the protein shake. <laughs> right, is it my turn? Mm-hmm. Right. I have noticed. Yeah, that's what I meant. I'm sorry. No, it's all right, Michelle. I'm struggling this morning. So I've just seen your uh, comment. I'm struggling this morning. So um, I'm sorry. My bad. I've noticed engagement going down in my group lately. I think part of this is due to people returning to work, more than likely, but also due to my clients getting bored of the group. Mm. Any tips for approaching this? I'm going to do a post on this, actually, for next week. I know some of the guys will be using the group while not engaging much, but I would still like to see them get involved more. I have considered doing some live webinars, but I'm not sure what topics to do on them, and I'm worried not many people will actually watch them. Good question, that, mate. Very good question. And, Nicholas, it's your turn to answer. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I could pretty much say you could start to assume that. Um, things are getting a, a little bit busier for people, um, being able to socialise a little bit more now, um, things starting to open up. So, yeah, I, I would say that's a good assumption. Um, I think you've hit the nail on the head in regards to, I think you know what to do. Um, live Q&As, live webinars, um, maybe doing shorter, sharper, kind of, I hate using the word challenge, but little focuses, like weekly focuses. Um, and I think the, the big thing is, is when it comes to kind of doing live webinars, take it from us, is that even if, even if people are, aren't coming on and joining live, you know, you can, you can position some questions, um, maybe towards the end of this, the webinar for them to start to comment when they do watch it back. So I think you know what to do, mate, definitely. I think that's um, a really good shout. Board of the group. Yeah, I think what to do, what topics. I think you know the answer to that as well. Go to them, find out, do a poll, start to maybe just build up, make it exciting for everybody on the group, like, build it up over a week, I start to ask some questions, start to get some engagement um, from that, and then go off what the group is kind of looking for and needing and wanting, mate. That's what I'd say. Yeah, I don't think I've had anything to that, to be fair. I'm going to put a post on this, so that'll help. Wait, all right. what, what are you going to say? I'm just going to read another question. Oh, is I wasn't looking at you. I was looking at the checking sheet. Sorry. Go on, crack on. You may. Issues today with a client, <laughs> the Facebook client group. What do you do if the client leaves you? Do you then remove them from the group? Kick them out, right? Um, it, honestly, it's entirely up to you, right? It's entirely, entirely up to you. And I know that's a really shitty answer, but it just depends on, I suppose, whether you want to keep that as a group that's a really good decent chargeable service for your clients who pay you um, whether you want to do what we do which is by the end of the time with you they pay like a membership to stay in the group so they've still got that level of support and engagement so they could pay you to stay in there if they find it really valuable or I suppose your other option is is simply just kick them out of the group because they no longer pay and like I strongly believe like 
going back to Andy Rose's point as well, that a really good engaging, educating Facebook group is a, a chargeable service. You look at online group coaching, essentially what that is, is programming and a Facebook group. So if your Facebook group is decent, you should be charging for it. So it's just having that debate with yourself of uh, what you feel, I suppose, is best. Um, but they, I suppose, your free options um, is what I say. I know I've not answered it. I've kind of asked you more questions, but it does really depend on what you want um, from the group. Anything you'd add, Nick? People need... There's a, there's a massive, huge difference between people paying for something and people not paying for something. Um, so it's not the kind of mindset of, oh, if you're not paying, get out. It's more the commitment of being in the group and, and using the group. So, um, yeah, I'd be on the same the same wavelength there. Um, okay, cool. Next question. A good one, actually. Uh, make sure I recommend it. Uh, I've really lost the plot this morning. I don't know what's going on. Can you recommend any courses for working with pre and postnatal courses? Can you recommend any courses for working with pre and postnatal courses? I've had a few clients that start with me, who have children or with past 12 months or are due. Who are your recommendations, Nicholas? Pre and postnatal. Uh, company called Girls Gone Strong. Um, you'll find them on social or, or Google. Uh, so there's that one, or mine's gone blank now. I would just go with that one. That would be my number one. That's it. Yeah. Girls gone strong. Yeah, I would go with that one personally. Uh, how do you not get overwhelmed by everything? I massively, massively struggle with this and find myself losing my shit. How do we not get overwhelmed? We do get overwhelmed at times. It's, like, it's just natural, isn't it? Like There's going to be times where you're going to go through phases that every single person will go through a phase of, from a working perspective and a life perspective where they will get overwhelmed. Anyone who says they're fully get their shit together. Um, everyone, who's, everyone who says that they've got the shit together and don't get overwhelmed, like, are full of shit. Like, they just are. They like to tell you they've got the shit together to probably sell you something. Um, so how the best to, to not feel overwhelmed is making sure that the first step is being really, really clear on um, being really clear on your plan. Um, being really clear on your plan. I'm trying to take this fucking question seriously and you're making me laugh. Um, being, really, you know, being really clear on your plan. So what you want and what you need, um, that's the foundation of not getting overwhelmed in my opinion, because as soon as you're clear on that, as soon as you're really bought into that goal and that plan, um, then it makes it easier then to start to manage the workload to get to where you want to be. And then off the back of that, you can start to get down everything that you need to do. So as one big list, you can then start to, in fact, we're going to cover this on Thursday, start to prioritize that work um, as well into what's going to make the biggest impact, some quick wins, um, for you, some stuff that you can kind of put off that are a lower impact and so on. So it's managing and prioritizing that time um, is essential. And then spreading that across your weeks. So A, you know what you're working towards. B, you know it's intentful constantly. And, and C, it's, it's, you're constantly productive and it, it, it stops you from looking elsewhere and getting lost because you've got a plan 
and you're working towards that plan. So yeah, essentially it's being really, really clear across um, across them three or four things. And we're going to cover this on Thursday's webinar. And the last webinar a week on Thursday will really, really, really help with you um, to help you with a level of overwhelm. In fact, I'd go as far to say is that when you go through them two webinars, you, as soon as you, we deliver them, you're going to feel a hundred times better. Because for me, it's like if you're a little bit all over the place at times, which is a natural trait for a lot of PTs because we're very practical minded, we're results orientated and so on. Sometimes we just need a system to, to manage that level of overwhelm. So that's what I would say. Um, and yes, Jordan, I did actually mouth that at him because I knew what answer he was going to come out with. Um, so yeah. Um, right, next question. I am planning to move to a new city, Brill. Um, any advice for keeping current clients and starting in a new place? Well, I think Nicholas is definitely the best person to answer, to answer that question. Uh, keeping current clients, I think, I think you'll probably know the answer to that question. Um, definitely providing them the, the option of online, 100%. Um, but leading up to that, I think it's more you know, really, really digging down in, um, with those kind of reviews that you do with your clients and just meeting them where they're at in regards to their wants and their needs. Um, there's no point in pushing people online, and I know you, you wouldn't do that, but just really kind of seek out how you can best support them um, with the same quality of service, even if it's at a distance. So those reviews are going to be important. The run-up to you understanding when that move is going to take place is going to be important. Uh, starting in a new place. Um, prep is one thing I would 100% say is going to be the best option. I've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> See, only because of circumstances, I've had days to move cities sometimes. So, um, so one thing I would do differently if I had the time is definitely kind of prep, research local area, research what's, ab what's available, what's out there. Um, the location of if you're going to another gym, if you're going to be working out of another gym, the location of that, what's the surrounding area like? Is it city centre, residential, um, whatnot? So you can get just get a good understanding of that. Um, with your social, start to tag yourself into that to those local areas, uh, starting to create awareness, getting involved in some of the community groups there, um, local businesses, um, and I think yeah, I think it's a great every time. It's a nice, it's a really nice refresh and restart. I think. Um, So, yeah, I think the, the time to be proactive is if you know, maybe you don't know the exact time, but if you know where, early the better, I would say. Let's go on for next question. I'm ready. Um, I've been undercharging and valuing my service. Should I gradually increase the price or just do it? And what should I say to my clients? Um, you should just do it. Um, you should just do it because if that's what, if you've worked out off the back of that, 
pricing for the service webinar that we did last week that you're worth a hell of a lot more than what you're currently charging, you absolutely should do it. Um, there's a couple of things that you need to probably take into account as well, is that um, obviously once you work out the price difference, um, essentially how, which is the next part of your question, how you deliver it, um, you would deliver it and make sure that you articulate it well in a sense of, you might turn around and go, right, honestly, like I've been completely undercharging. I do all of this outside. These are the reasons you get your programs. This is, I've never charged for the weekly check-in. I've never charged for the nutrition support. I've never charged for the monthly review. Um, so all of that essentially you've been getting for free and it's massive components of my service and holding my hands up, even though um, that you've been getting that for free, like clients coming into my business are going to get this price. But actually for you guys, as my existing clients are going to get this price then. They're not going to go and they're not going to know any different um, between the prices and so on. But what I will say is like letting them see that there's a benefit um, be open and honest. So it's how you deliver it. And then always, in my opinion, always deliver different options. So, for example, if you're going in with, I don't know, let's say their price is an extra £40 a month, £50, £60 a month or whatever it is. And um, if they're seeing that they can't really afford that for whatever reason or don't value it as much as the increase always offer say an alternative so they can stay on online coaching for the same price that they're doing now or small group training for the same price that they're doing now with a, a, the same frequency or whatever so always deliver different options it's not as, as black and white as it's a new price and if you don't like it then leave the business um so that's what i would say always offer that and they, they're gonna have to feel it as well in a sense of this is my last point and I'll let Nick fill in. The, the, my last point is that they're going to have to see how it directly benefits them. So the price increase. So when you sit down and walk them through it, explaining all the things that you currently do and um, that you've been doing for free and being open and honest and to know with the type of personality you've got, your clients will be really bought into that. But then like literally talking about investment um, of the time, you, you know, a better coach, you run a better business, you're getting better results for clients. So they're going to have to see and have confidence in the direct benefits of the increase. Uh, but I would definitely just jump and do it. Give themselves a bit of, give yourself a bit of notice as well. Nick, anything else you'd add to that? Mm -mm. No. Yeah, give quite a bit of notice. Doesn't I wouldn't drop it on them like within, for example, a two-week period. I'd build up to that over a month. Make sure you communicate in different ways, face-to-face -face and over email as well. Next, Vaughn, next question. What are your non-negotiable questions for a weekly and a monthly review? What's your non-negotiable questions for a weekly and a monthly review? Biggest um, highs, similar to what we give you guys, biggest highs, um, biggest lows, what are your challenges? What, what did you find challenging this week? Um, those are really, really core ones, I think. Um, the next couple are really important is what do you feel you need to do next week um, to help you take a step forward? That question there is, is really important because, for example, if you get that, if you just leave that, what's the biggest lows or what did your biggest challenges and then don't give them the option to find out what they're thinking of how to improve that, what you'll probably end up doing is just telling them and suggesting things not based on what their understanding is of that. Um, and that can just constantly go back and forth and you can bang your head against a brick wall, so to speak. 
So that question will actually give you an understanding of, right, this is where their head's at with that. Okay, great. Let's build on that maybe in the feedback that you give them on the weekly reviews, um, so to speak. Um, in regards to any type of metrics they are tracking, um, it's going to depend on the person. I think the key thing here is to look at how they're measuring their success um, and align that. I think also if you look back on the accountability document, some type of rating of key components of their program, of how they feel they're doing, leads all very nicely into then the monthly review. And the monthly review should be kind of an accumulation of how those weeks have gone. Um, but then ultimately, it's, it's a realigning with the goals. It is um, doing another needs analysis, so to speak, so you can realign or readjust the program that they're on, the frequency, the level of support you give them, blah, blah, blah. So that's what I'd say. Anything to add? No. Uh, if I have a client that's doing group PT as a two, uh, but the gym rules don't allow it, how would you suggest? What would you suggest in this situation? I think, unfortunately, you might have to bite the bullet for the time being and just do one-to-one -one with them. Um, uh, it depends how much you want and need them to, to have that level of frequency and consistency. But personally, um, I think I would have one-to-one. -one. Now, the debate that you will have is then, do you increase the price you one-to-one -one, and do you tell them that you can only coach them one-to-one -one and therefore the price is a little bit more expensive? That's entirely up to you with how you go about things. Um, but personally, I think that's right now, I think that's potentially your only option, unless unless you can probably still keep them to a Zoom session at home. And that's about it. Um, yeah, there's not much you can do on that one. And only a lot hopefully of guys. That hopefully that's only short term as well. Yeah, they're looking at what, we, what we're saying, 17th of May for group exercise, isn't it? I think so, yeah. So I, I, I probably aim at the 17th of May. So you might just have to bite the bullet for a month. Um, but yeah. Next question, best way of dealing with payments when client has illness or bereavement that prevents them from training for longer than two weeks. Obviously, we'll continue to support them with the rest of the service, but don't want to do makeup sessions if they've had to miss a month of training, for example. Good question. Yeah, I think it's, it's not a, this is where I think you have to take the person and the situation into account massively because... On one hand, you could you could potentially kind of go assume that, oh, well, this person's not going to want to train at all if they've had a bereavement in the family. Um, but it could be the opposite. It could be they want to keep as busy as possible. So when it comes down to this, if you're thinking about how you would word this or what you would put in the, the T's and C's, for example, it's, it's upon um, personal circumstances and then you find out the best option for them at that point, depending on what they're, where they're at, what's happened, what they want to do. Um, but I would definitely, yeah, I mean, these are really small, I mean, touch wood, these are really, they're not common things, are they? They're not going to happen every month, every every week. So I would definitely take the person's personal circumstances into, into 
into consideration what they want to do as well because again mate you, you could you could put kind of a blanket statement in your in your t's and c's saying if there's a bereavement or if you're ill or whatever we won't train you'll get your money back there'll be a discount there'll be this there'll be that but it could be the complete opposite in regards to they want to continue to keep their head busy so I know it's not a direct answer, but I definitely feel this is where you've got to take the personal circumstances into consideration because this isn't a common thing, in my opinion. Agree. Next one. When it comes to group coaching, what five things would you say are absolute musts? Welcome, for example, welcome pack, programming, Facebook group, um, etc. It very much depends on the demographic, but um, for your demographic, for the person who asked this question, I would say the most important thing is um, a sense of belonging. So the group um, and what you do to keep them engaged within the group. Um, so the second point is that the level of accountability that keeps them engaged, that's really important. They need to be, in my, in, from my experience, they need to be in an environment, your, your client base especially, where they feel part of something. Like that's really important for them. I think the third one for your demographic um, is education personally, because they previously, and for those listening on the podcast, this PT's demographic is female fat loss, um, probably if I can remember right, 25 to 40 or something like that, um, who have struggled for years and all of that type of stuff with confidence and all of that. So the third one would be education. So I'd be like dropping in mini webinars and talking points and doing live Q and A's like this. Um, I think that's gonna be really important because it's gonna help them be able to take that information and apply it into their lives and ignore maybe what's what they've struggled with in the past, ignore external noise, um, and also be able to overcome their own barriers. That's going to be really important for your demographic. Um, so I think they're the top three things. And I think obviously off the back of that is making sure that your programming meets the, per the people where they're at. So making sure they become more competent at things that they were once struggling with. Um, I think that's really, really important. So being competent that they were once struggling with and feeling like they've got an element of success from what they're doing. Um, that's massively important. And a fifth thing, um, ooh, accountability, um, sense of belonging in the group. What else have we gone with? Education. Yes, programming, because it's part of it. Um, I think honestly, I think that if you can give them something that makes them feel really valued off the back of maybe um, a level of consistency and accountability, I don't know, that might be a physical thing. I think we've touched on this over the past few weeks. Um, maybe you send them a t-shirt, maybe you send something that makes them yeah, feel part of that community again. I think that could be an added bonus, but I would nail down and double down on them four things that I talked about before because that's what's going to keep them there and engaged from a group coaching perspective. Obviously, that's all going to lead to results. So for the, for the ones probably screaming out at me right now, saying obviously they need, they, it's an absolute must that they get results. Clearly, they're going to get results off the back of the four or five things that I've just said. Anything you'd add, Nick? Uh, 
How do I close a sale for someone who seems to have been on the fence forever? It's so close yet so far. <laughs> um, okay, it's a good question. Obviously, this person is dealing with ambivalence in regards to weighing up what they're going to get versus what they're going to lose, um, the pros and cons. So I think the obvious thing to say is like, well, keep in contact with them, ask them, prompt them, et cetera, et cetera. But what I would, people are going to buy when they're ready. Can you help them feel ready and um, have more value in what they're, what they're trying to decide on? 100%. It doesn't mean trying to over convince them. Um, that means they need to kind of, you need to position a conversation and the questions in a way where they're reflectively, um, they're reflecting on what they've got now and what they want in the future. Um, and I think tackling that on a, just a basic level will really help them. Um, so there's lots of questions in my head that I'd love to be able to ask you at this point. It'll probably be a bit more direct in the way that I could answer, but um, I think that is definitely the go-to. Um, and last night's last night's webinar will give you those some of those examples of those questions um, if you want a bit of a refresh from the last course. And one other thing I was going to say. No, it's gone. Shit. Oh, I can't remember. I'll come back to it if I remember. But those are my that is my main thing, I would say. Those open conversations. Anything to add? Not really. Not really. Apart from being more direct, but that's that's it really. Um go on, it's your turn. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for that. How much would you charge for a full online coaching service? Um, how much would I charge? 250 quid a month? Or maybe a payment, an upfront payment for, a, depends on the products. Like, yeah, it very much depends on the person and the product. Um, but online coaching in around 250 quid a month, but it depends how much that person needs. Like, it genuinely does. So very similar to, from a face-to-face -face perspective, like a full online coaching service is every single component in your business. You're probably looking at 250 quid plus, but let me just kind of rein this in a little bit and just say that the, the price range for the majority of the industry that are charging for online coaching is 150 to 250. Um, but if I'm delivering all components of my service to someone, then it would be more at the top end of that, um, in my opinion. In and around 200 to 250 pounds a month. Um, currently charge per session and want to move to the wider service for better experience for me and my clients. How would you bring this up with current clients? Similar question to before us, isn't it? Um, you've not seen during lockdown. Ah, no, it's not. They've been busy with work and I didn't have the systems in place, but I do now. Big missed opportunity, I know. No, it's not a big missed opportunity. It's just part of the process, mate. We've all been through it. Um, great question, Nicholas, over to you. 
You had a lot of coffee today. Yeah, I've had one coffee about. Um, so first question I would ask is, have they got any outstanding sessions left? Um, if so, I think the same thing applies, but I think take them through this new process. Okay. That's the really key thing here. So I would, if you haven't seen them during lockdown, then that's a hell of a long time as well. They're, they are starting again with you and I would treat them as a new client from the perspective of trying to find out their current situation. Um, things would have changed for them over the past, you know, 12 months or so. Um, their goals, what they want moving forward as well, that's all probably going to have flexed a little bit, their reasons behind it. So I would do the onboarding process with those clients coming back into your business and then take them through and build that service out with them. It's obviously going to be a different experience for them, um, but that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing because you're really, really being um, super personal with them by creating all these different elements of the service which is going to solve their, their unique challenges and problems. So... Um, that's how we do it, mate. Pre-consult, consultation, right? Scribe off the back of it um, and go from there, 100%. And even if they've got sessions outstanding, I would still do exactly the same thing. I just might take that, for example, that, that session, whatever, the, let's say they've, they're owed three sessions at 30 quid and 90 quid. I would take that 90 quid off of the, the first monthly payment rather than giving them back and then trying to do something different. If you were fairly new to the industry, knowing what you know now, what areas would you focus on to become a better coach, run a better business? This is one of them questions. It's like the film question, isn't it? When people ask you, like, oh, I can never remember. Do you know what I mean? But looking back, uh, what, what was the first part of the question? What areas would you focus on to become a better coach? Okay. I think, do you know what? I think it's the same answer for both. So the areas I would have focused on to become a better coach is to get to know and understand the people I want to work with in more detail. Um, because becoming a better coach, like for me at that point, I was really, I know, like I knew more or less next to nothing, but like I was really passionate about programming. I was really passionate about coaching and training people. I think I shared all of this before. So that was like my thing. Um, so then I obsessed over that and spent so much time on it um, that actually you start to forget about the person um, and more about the programming and more about the coaching and so on. So yeah, I would have basically spent more time really understanding clients and fitting the, the nutrition and the programming into their life instead of trying to build this perfect product and perfect picture to, to throw at them and it not being the most relevant and, um, yeah, relevant model. So that's looking back, that's what I would have definitely spent more time getting to know the the clients that I had in my business. So then 
the pieces of the puzzle of programming, nutrition, lifestyle all fit together well enough instead of me just throwing shit at the wall and hoping it's stuck. Um, running a better business, like genuinely, I was really weak at marketing and lead generation. Like um, it was something that I avoided as much as I could. And I was very much in the belief that because I was, I felt so confident about my product in, in a sense of my programming, nutrition, and obviously the results and all of that, then I felt like my, my, my business would sell itself and clearly it didn't because I struggled for the first couple of years. So again, same answer to the business side of things. Um, I would be relentless in getting to understand the people I want to bring into my business, which makes marketing and lead generation a lot easier for me. Um, so yeah, kind of the same answer on both areas. I think it'd be good for you to answer that question as well, Nicholas. Oh, it's a difficult one. I would still make the same. I would, I wouldn't. Hmm. I would still want to make the same mistakes in a way. Because of a million percent. Yeah. Because I, I wouldn't have valued what I learned through that process and the court, the specific things that I did and the courses that I did and and whatnot. So um, there are some things that I wouldn't, I would have wanted to understand straight away. Um, definitely. One of the things that to, to run and build a better business is, I think we say it all the time, is just having a focus, not just solely on the training, but on human behavior and communication. Um, and that's the biggest one. Yeah. That's the biggest one, I think, for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so next one. How much time per week would you give to lead generation on the gym floor? Good question, mate. Um, oh, when the gym's open, a lot. <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm going to go into context, all right? So... Yeah, you right. just your nails. Sit there and bite your nails. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're gonna we are gonna go through this on Thursday, but I would be investing this. So let's say, for example, I I want to be delivering twenty hours of personal training a week, of face to face personal training a week. Just arbitrary number thrown out there, right? When I get back into the gym, um, and and by the way, that's like if I'm starting from scratch, nothing, and I want to get to that number, I would genuinely be spending that amount of time on the gym floor. And for a few reasons. First of all, um, you're going to be working those hours anyway, if that's your real focus. So getting yourself into a routine, a rhythm, a habit, um, a productive day, whether you're training people or doing lead generation on the gym floor is massively beneficial going forward. Um, secondly, because, you know, we've, we've had the last 12 months pretty much where we've had to use social media in a way that um, to create awareness and conversations with people and build rapport and trust, et cetera, which has been difficult and which is hard. Um, 
But the fact is people are going to be standing right in front of you. Whether it's social distancing, whether you've got to wear a mask or not, it's going to be easier, fact. So that's what I'd be taking advantage of. The people are on the gym floor. People have missed the gym for the last year. They're going to be looking for different things, wanting different things. There's going to be a lot of new people in the gym as well over the coming six months. So I would be, that's how much time I would do, the hours you want to fill. Anything to add? No, no. When clients, what are your thoughts on planning micro, meso, macro cycles? Or would you say it's better to just plan for that initial four to six weeks, for example, then at the end of the plan, the next four to six weeks, based on that their competency levels are now at that point? Yes. It is a difficult question to answer because it's going to be very, very different per client that you work with. Um, obviously, I think you have to have the knowledge in the back pocket of what they are, how they apply and all of that type of stuff. But for the majority of people who you're working with, is it applicable? Not really. Like, obviously, we need to work from um, a framework and put a system in place to make sure that the, the client is becoming more competent and more confident within and that's, that's the main goal, right, within their programming. Um, that's the main goal. But going back to goals, when it comes to cl your clients and the programming and the results and stuff like that, we need to keep the goal the goal. So if the goal is fat loss and then the, the, the programming, obviously, is a contributor to that, um, then obviously we have to consider progressive overload, periodization and stuff like that. We do have to consider it, but in, in, in real life as much as we possibly can. Um, so I suppose the answer to the question is yes, be aware of it, but also yes, that probably I would look at programming the majority of people in like six week blocks um, because it also feeds into certain things like your monthly review to get feedback and being able to adapt and tweak things for real life getting in the way. Um, whether that be, I don't know, a mum who is going through a period of time where her kids are waking her up at night and her sleep's really poor, then you you're going to have to adjust and tweak the programming quite easily. Um, whereas if it was very set towards that structure that you've just kind of delivered, it's really hard to manipulate that at times um, without going in several times across, say, a 12-week block of programming um, and so on. I don't know what Nick thinks on that one. Mm, I, think it's always, I think it's always an advantage. Um Periodization is questionable with the people when you're working with general pop, 100%, absolutely. But I think having an, an overarching structure to follow um, gives you huge confidence, um, gives you a method to work from, gives you a template to work from. Um, so I always think it's an advantage and it's probably one of the best aspects of the job, in my opinion. It's it's genuinely taking a client. So if you've got like if you've got a general fat loss client who wants to come in, female, wants to um wants to lose body fat, but also get potentially get stronger, um, then you know what that goal is. And then you can start to really be a little bit more specific on the areas that you want. You might got to do a first pull-up, first press up, um, progressively get stronger through a squat, a hip thrust, or whatever it is because that contributes to them looking aesthetically the way they want to look. 
that type of client, it's really easy to have that framework in the back of your mind and go, actually, the end goal within 12 weeks' time, a 10,000-foot view on that is to for them to deadlift X amount per, per body weight for her to do three of her pull-ups, to do five of them press-ups and so on. And then that, like Nick said, it gives you that framework. But I would always break that down for me, from, in, in, from my opinion, we're working that demographic into two six-week blocks that you can then go on and, and review competency levels because um, your biggest problem that you're going to come up against is not so much how amazing your programming is, it's the adherence to that programming. Um, and I think sometimes we can get lost with that and get, goes back to the question someone asked before, you get lost in the detail so much that the person stops enjoying it and then their adherence to the program doesn't, um, doesn't stick. So as long as that, them considerations are in your mind, then absolutely stick to the framework um, of understanding micro, meso and macro cycles and putting them in place. Um, what have we got? How would you go about referrals, incentives or rewards, etc., for them being bringing in more people to your business? Good question. I think it's definitely something to not shy away from asking for. I think um, I think an incentive or a reward. I mean, look at I mean, look at the typical referral campaigns that are out there that companies use. You usually get something. Um, it's not just based on goodwill, so to speak. I mean, first of all, uh, our business works a hell of a lot on referrals, but having maybe a bit more direction over that and also rewarding people for doing it is always a good tactic to have, I think, and good strategy to have. So how often you do that, um, I think the more, the more often you do it, uh, the more diluted it gets, um, in my opinion. So I would say start off with maybe potentially every quarter, maybe. And, you know, get a decent, decent uh, prize in there, whether it's, well, when we do open up, whether it's like a, a weekend away with their partner uh, for a couple of hundred quid. Now, you might think, well, a couple of hundred quid, but that, if your average if your average client is in your business, let's say for six months and cost of 240 quid per month, you do the maths on that, that 200 quid you might spend on a weekend away for someone or, or, or whatever it is, it's a pretty good return. So I would, I would definitely say something like that. Um, big it up as well. Like don't shy away from it. Same for your calls to action on your business. Same, same principle, really. Make it well-known, get people excited about it, give people a deadline to do it by, um, build it up over a couple of weeks, blah, blah, blah. That's what I would say. I have a client who has five hourly sessions a week. One of these is now for nutrition, check-in, feedback. I want to call... I, blah, I want to look after her cost-wise as she does more sessions than anyone else, but she hasn't had an increase in price since we started over a year ago. I know I'm going to, going above and beyond to support her. What would you do? Um, I would push the price to the same percentage that you're doing for other clients. Because... If this is the, off the back of pricing for the service and then you've realized that there's other components of your service where you're going above and beyond and not charging for them, 
like checking process, nutrition review, all of that type of stuff, a monthly review, the programming, the client group. If you've realized you're not charging for them and now you're going to about to charge for them for everyone, then that person counts exactly the same. So whatever the percentage increase is, um, they count the same because what you've got to think of is they clearly value you to have that volume of hours with you per week. So the increase should stand the same as it should be across any other client within the business, in my opinion. Um, they're with you for that level of frequency for a reason because they really value you. You're obviously doing a lot to, to improve their lifestyle, change their habits, improve their mental state, all of that type of stuff. So the percentage increase should be exactly the same as the other clients, in my opinion. I agree. You're not doing her a favor. Um, what are your thoughts on doing PT through agencies that match you to clients when starting out? The pay is less than my normal hourly rates, but I feel it's a good way to get experience and a decent income. Or would you, my time be better spent on marketing, lead gen and building a business? Good question. I have, we, we were approached by these companies God, years, for years, uh, for absolute years, since, um, God, before I moved to Wales, so you're talking like seven, eight years, and there's never been a company to stand out and deliver on those. They're great concepts. They're great ideas. They're amazing ideas. They really are. Um, but what generally, the pattern generally happens is that the PT invests into this both emotionally from a business perspective and then it it almost then um, lures into a full sense of security upon that. And again, like you say, you, you're getting paid less. In my opinion, mate, your time is best spent on marketing lead gen and building your business. In my opinion, I've never, if there was one, like if there was one standout one out there, um, it would prove to me that the concept works, but there aren't, there isn't, there's, yeah. So it's such a good concept though. And hopefully, and hopefully fingers crossed, someone will nail that but the problem the missing link here is the market the market is general pop so even though P, a lot of pts might be signed up to it where what's the difference between their marketing to the general population and and what you're doing so that's where the missing link is with these things it's them creating the database to market to um but it's such a great concept but hopefully someone will nail it one day and it could work well if a they market exactly what you just said they market it better and there was a better system of kind of onboarding the the cold lead into a into a hot lead into the business so there was steps to get for you to get to know a client a little bit more um but otherwise it's very much like someone sliding into bms you're not knowing them booking in a console and bringing them into the business there's a very much a perceived level of value on that and normally does there's a disconnect which means they come in at a low level of frequency a low level of accountability and gradually over time it ends up being a disaster um in terms of results and relationship with the client so not everyone don't get me wrong you'll get one in 20 that it'll go all right but yeah that's what normally happens two more questions okay 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 we're in overtime and it's been an hour come on uh
wanted to ask your thoughts on doing a social media post on spelling out what online coaching was, as I feel like a lot of people don't really know it exists, how it works. Is that a question for me? Go. Um, I don't think there's any harm in it, but I don't think you'll get much from it. So that's just my opinion. Like, it doesn't mean to say it's right. Um, I see this quite often. Um, and very much when you're talking about what online coaching is, the consumer sees it as you're trying to sell something and normally they shut down with that, like from that. So what I would say is, is be more consistent of talking about the direct benefits of the features of online coaching and relate it back to your online coaching service. So this is what one of the things that we go through is that one of the things someone struggles with, with, with achieving their results is levels of accountability. Um, one thing that we put in place within the business, within online coaching is we start to talk about a weekly check-in. The weekly check-in breaks down X, Y, and Z. And you might do the five um, advantages of a weekly check-in with a personal trainer and then talk through that and then start to then do your call to actions for online coaching off the back of it. There's a, a real difference there. You've got, there's a pain point. I've got no accountability and motivation to start. Then there's a bit of a content and context to back that up with, oh, this is how this person really supports people who struggle with accountability and motivation. And then there's a call to action off the back of it, which is to find out more about my online coaching. That might be on my landing page. It might be um, it might be on a previous post, like whatever it is that leads them to finding out more. So I, I would go about it more so breaking the, the benefits down of the service and matching it with the feature and talking about it more. I know that's a really long-winded answer, but you'll probably get more from that and going, this is what online coaching is. I don't think there's any harm in doing that, if I'm dead honest, but don't expect a huge return from it, is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. uh, and last one, I think I'm getting this right because it was on the video um, the other day. How do you deal with people objecting, uh, objecting the price? Um, leading people to like compare with other PTs in the gym, trying to compare them used between other PTs in the gym, haggle, etc. So dealing with that, um, you should be able to take care of ninety nine percent of that through the lead generation and marketing that you put out, because that should answer people's questions. That should give people the understanding of what it's like working with you, give you, you should be managing their expectations through your information you're putting out, the client stories, the journey that you're creating, the, um, the content that you put out, the conversations you have on the gym floor, etc. cetera. Um, so you will definitely face objections and definitely face haggling when it, if it comes to what Ant uh, mentioned earlier, in regards to having those cold leads, they're not coming through, not a very good onboarding process. They drop into that consultation. You could probably expect it to a certain degree um, from that, um, but it distinctly comes off the back of a lack of value, belief um, and trust, which is what your marketing is there to effectively do and your onboarding is effectively there to do. So um, I could give you a lot of kind of Right. Well, if they say this, answer this way. And if they ask this, then answer this way. But 
in my opinion, like you shouldn't have to kind of rely on sales tactics to, to, to get people to come into your business. Um, you know, there's the comparing this price over here to a can of Coke a day and what that builds up or how much they spend on booze or whatever. It's just, yeah, you, you're trying to pull the person over to your point of view and it doesn't work long-term in my opinion. Imagine doing that technique now after COVID when everyone could go out to restaurants and bars for the first time. Yeah. How much do you expect to spend on restaurants, on food out and on beers at the weekend? Well, it's got absolutely fuck all to do with you, Mr. Personal Trainer. So shut the fuck up. That's my thoughts on that, Nick. Especially when everyone's been locked the fuck down for a year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. If you do that, don't do it anymore. Um, now, okay. go on. Go on. Location. Would you, would you adjust the price point to different locations? Ooh. The, the only big variance in the UK um, is London really and London's not, not that far ahead it's not that far ahead compared to like anywhere else really there are certain hot spots in the UK that you'd be like right I really need to meet the demographic where they're at here you know um, and we know that through having a club and working in every part of the UK um, so yes but I think I already put that it, it shouldn't be it shouldn't it should be a consideration but it should nowhere near be the big the anywhere near the, the kind of deciding factors of what you price yourself at um, it's more so like what's the lifestyle of your demographic like what is their circumstances and that wouldn't specifically go make you go right I'm going to take this price point from here right down to here it's probably right when well, I'm actually going to position a different service, which is cheaper for them compared to one-to-one -one potentially. But my yield is up because I'm getting more volume through. So there's lots of caveats to that, but a very short, sharp answer is, I think you'll know if you're in one of those very few locations in the UK where um, financially people are kind of lower than national average or significantly lower than the national average, but it doesn't, it doesn't solely uh, dictate the price point. And that's from and, and me working in gyms where you could say the areas aren't as good as others in the city, for example. Oh, and I've worked in some shitholes, Nick. Uh, can I just end on? Can I just end on? Can I have the final thought? So... Over 40 inquiries for this week, the guys on the group program that they've had from, uh, from off the back of the check-in. So oh. over 40 inquiries and just over 30 new clients, which is ace, right? Really, really good week. And obviously they're at different um, capacities and so on. Um, just be really wary that you're staying as consistent as possible as you bring in more clients is what I'm, is what I'm saying. So as you bring in more clients, to your business, please still be as consistent as you possibly can when it comes to bringing in leads um, and the time. Because what you'll find is that once you gain something in new clients, something gives, and normally for most personal trainers, that's then your consistency with your marketing because you feel like you're in a bit of a comfort zone of, right, this is where I need to be now. 
don't let it drop. Just carry on with the productive habits of scheduling your content and all of that type of stuff. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say is my final thought. Steven, oh, one more question. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Sorry if this is late. It's already been asked. I would, oh, right. Go on then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how would you go about charging two for one sessions or more people than that? Go. Oh, is it my go? Go. Um, for me, like, it's the same as one to one service, isn't it? More or less. Like, they're still going to need coaching face to face. They're still going to need programming, nutrition, with good checking, monthly review, Facebook group, and community. So they should. In most cases, obviously dependent on the person, they should, they should get all of the service, right? Um, you just have to basically work out the percentage that you might reduce for them being twice and sharing the cost of a session at the hourly rate. So, for example, if your coaching time, if your coaching hour is worth £30 an hour, which is the industry average, it's quite standard to bring that down to say 20 pound an hour. So you're getting paid 40 pound um, for that time or to 25 pounds. So you're getting paid 50 pound an hour instead of 30 pound an hour. Um, but obviously your, your price is not based off the hourly, hour of coaching alone. So they'll still get the rest of the service. So there'll be an element of a reduction in cost in some cases. Um, but not much in my opinion. Um, yeah, and I'd be inclined, I'm going to be controversial here slightly, but I'm probably be inclined to try and keep it as, so as close as full price as possible regards to your coaching, because it's more difficult for you. I know you're only doing one program for the pair of them, but it is like you're coaching two people. So like it is still challenging for you and so on. So yeah, at the maximum, I'll reduce my hourly rate of coaching by probably five or 10 pound per person. That's about it. Nick, anything? No. Nope. Well, that was a tough one today. It took me a while to get going, but I got there in the end, I reckon, Nick. I reckon I was man of the match today out of the two of us. Mm. Jury's out on that. Right, guys and girls, we're going to finish and close out there. For the guys listening on the podcast, I'd love to say if you've got any questions, ask them, but I think we'll be here all week if we've got any more questions. <laughs> um, but if you do have any more questions, reach out and we'll just get back to you over Instagram. Um, or Facebook or wherever else it is. And and we're very, very close to releasing another intake for a PT business transformation. Um, and hopefully you'll hear how great the guys are currently doing over the next couple of weeks. So watch out on my stories, watch out on Instagram. We are about to launch a new intake. Coming soon. <laughs> right, I'm off. Okay now, bye.